I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for more cop rock, which I mean, I don't know how you feel. We haven't talked about this beforehand. I'm just gonna say, from my point of view, doesn't disappoint. Good as I remembered it. <laughs> no, but <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I agree, right? But it is so friggin' bizarre. Watching this show and be like, this is just great. <laughs> no, but I think, but there's the problem, yeah. right? Like the cop storyline is fascinating. It's so good. It's it's a really good line that has been taken over in other places. It is really nice to see people that he just used again in his later stuff. Oh God, was, yeah. You know, you're seeing old familiar faces, even though this was only eleven episodes. Yeah. Because turns out that the last episode in the series is is um there is obviously a writer's commentary there is a Stephen Bochco commentary not surprising so anyway but we're you know <laughs> you're just kind of looking at it and going oh dear yep. you know and, and the even the the songs I mean most of the songs are pretty good oh yeah uh I mean the 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 chief of police, Ronnie Cox, is just brilliant. He's he's so amazing on this show. <laughs> My God. I, like, I know he's been around forever. Ronnie Cox was in Deliverance. Like, the man's been around forever. But, like, seeing him in this part, it's... Oh my God. He's so when, funny. When he's riding... Is it the first episode where he's riding his horse? Yeah, no, no, the, it's the first thing that happens. So That's what happens right. is the first of the three episodes, we watched episode three, four, and five this week. And the first thing that happens is the captain comes in and says, yeah, that hero cop you like, I'm going to get him for murder. So just be prepared for that. Yep. Just be, you know, start doing whatever you have to do to prepare yourself for that, because this is going to be, this could be a problem for you when I arrest him for murdering that guy. And he gets, and Ronnie Cox just like, talks to his Bondi Curtis Hall, his assistant chief, who's and just talks about how why can't it be like, you know, the it cowboy days. <laughs> and you have his fantasy of what it should be like being a cop. Yeah, and he, and then he starts home basically, you know, the the dogies where the Yeah. You know, deer in the animal but he wants to listen to the doggies it's the similar thing oh yeah yeah no it's absolutely home, home, on, the range. home on the range it's his it's his cowboy song he's doing a it's, cowboy oh crooner God. and he's mm. on this piebald horse yep walking through like, south central los angeles is the idea well that fun but the funny thing is is when it first when it first starts you think that he's out on the west yeah out in the west right but no he's right he's he's on his horse going through Los Angeles and I thought boy they cleaned off the streets no then he goes by and then there are all these people that keep looking at him right yep and these kids start running after him as he's singing his it was such a brilliant opening it's a brilliant opening and because it shows you right into his yeah. character which is I don't get why people don't love me for what I'm doing <laughs> Because let's face it, like that's that's what he's fantasizing about—a world where people were like happy to see the sheriff. 
yeah, happy to see the sheriff and the sheriff could go out and kill the bad guys and shoot the bad guys. And, well, and it's like he says, why do we have to keep, you know, why do we have to keep cutting out the legs from under our gunfighters? Yeah. Is you know, how well, he thinks of LaRusso. Yes. Well, they're not gunfighters anymore. No. And, you know, maybe gunfighters wasn't ever a good thing to have in police departments. But he's got this fantasy of what being a cop should be, you know, and it's, well, it's uh, and it's right at the core of all of the mistakes he makes. This 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 show, in terms of, um, in terms of making its political statement. Oh yeah, this first one, right? Not at the the very first song. Yep. In the next episode, the same thing. When we get there, yeah. <laughs> Because that's what's the what's different about this show, right? Is not the cop stuff. Yeah. Right? Because the cop stuff is dead, dead on, but it's people's reactions and doing people's reactions through oh, yeah. song. Right? Is is fascinating. It's um, I, I'm just it's such a good show. And the thing is, like, there is a freedom. At, I'm even liking, because I've always said, you know what I mean? And apparently the network fade the same way, you know, take the show, take the songs out of it and you're watching NYPD Blue, you know, like it's, it's that good of a show. It's that well-written of a show. It's that well-produced. And I mean, now that I've rewatched all of NYPD Blue, I'm like yeah. got 10 episodes left. I would say that it, it is, it is a schizophrenic show when it comes to copaganda, because like, it is a show that is filled to the brim with all of the, you know, awful things the system does to people, but it still wants to celebrate cops. It's a very weird show in that respect. Whereas this, this show, five episodes in, is only very anti-cop. Yep. And there's only one guy. The guy, there's only one guy with a white hat. <laughs> yes. There's only one guy in that whole friggin' department with a yeah. white hat. Now maybe he had to tone it down. In yeah. Hill, in in uh, NYPD Blue, yeah. NYPD Blue, yes. That is that the one with Dennis Franz? Or that's is it the Hill? Dennis Franz one, yeah. Okay, good, good. Okay, I just all of a sudden had this splash to Hill Street Blues. Yeah, well, no, but I mean that's that's what Bochco and David Milch did before, so you know it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, NYPD yeah. Blue was, you know, the new one for the 90s. Yes, and so you had you had Dennis Franz. Yeah, Dennis Franz in his, you know, uh, was not supposed to be the main character, but uh, famously, well, no, famously, he, you know, the, the supposed star quit, so it became Dennis Franz's show, and it did it, and it did very well for Dennis Franz. Well, yes, and of course, to me, Dennis Franz is still Earl from the Dixie Chicks Goodbye yes. Earl. <laughs> the the yeah. official video. Earl having to die, yes. Because Earl had to die. Yeah. Oh, I love Dennis Franz. Oh, uh, yeah. So the so, um the show starts with a wonderful song that again, yes. like, is focused on the naivete, right? Right. Uh, the naivete of the what it's like being this chief of police right and it's like how he wants policing to be like it used to be and he wants to be a, a sheriff and he wants things to be simple but things weren't ever actually simple what he wants is you know the fantasy he was told as a child he wants you know 
things to be as simple as he thought they were when he didn't understand how the world worked. He wants Daniel Boone to be a hero. Yeah, exactly. He, it's that, a I mean, really, and I mean, the thing is, Wyatt Earp. Earp. Wyatt Earp. Yes. Well, and I mean, and it is, it speaks to how a lot of cops see the world in this, you know, ridiculously black and white worldview. Right, yeah. this unbelievably simplistic way where they are the good guys. And I mean, and the thing is, with Rose and his partner, they keep doing that over and over again because the main conflict with Rose and his partner is Rose thinks that, like, they are, I mean, essentially zookeepers who have to keep animals in check. And yeah. his partner can't understand why we can't all interact with each other as human beings. But uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, so after the opening scene, we see the captain trying to get LaRusso's partner to testify against him. Yeah. To agree to testify against him. And he's, you know, nervous about it, quite understandably. <laughs> and then you we know, get uh, what, what I adore. The, uh, <laughs> the mayor being recruited to run for Senate. That is such a beautiful scene yep just uh, a gorgeous scene oh my god now, we're going to have to tell you some difficult truths <laughs> i know are you ready are you ready for it and it's like the this it's such a strange episode oh and we also got the um the forensics guy has been told that he's going to die if he doesn't go on a diet <laughs> if he doesn't start eating right start exercising more it's his heart is going to give out on him. So we're, we're there's a lot going in the front of this episode, but that scene with the mayor, Bar Barbara Boston, who of course would go on to uh, be the DA on Murder One. Oh, Barbara so, Boston! Yeah, oh, she's fantastic. Yeah, and it was always it, okay. So we have to tell people if they haven't watched it. Of course, they have done surveys, as they said. People in LA know who you are. They love you. They yep. will vote for you, but nobody else does. Around the state so. is familiar with you. Yes. So we went around the state and we <laughs> did a survey. And here, and are you ready for it? Here are some of the comments, but <laughs> ugly. And it's just this like ego destroying assault on her looks. Her looks. Right? Just it's so brutal. Looks. You know, and I'm looking at her and they did a really good job of making, making her uh, look ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Making her look not ugly, ugly. No. Like the painting is really bad. Well, the, the painting is such an extreme aversion. Yeah. You know, but that's, you know, and but who knows that might have been taken when she was young, a bit younger. Yeah. Oh, but um, I mean, again, the genius of this episode, like, and again, it's even just a well-structured thing of starting with her looking at the painting and ending with her looking in a mirror. Yeah. You know, it's like just really well done. Uh, but yes. And oh, my God, when she calls in her assistant yeah. to ask if she's <laughs> ugly. Yeah. So what do you think? How do I look? Well, you know. You know, so you have a regal bearing. <laughs> I would not say you were not attractive. I would not use those words. <laughs> oh. It's, it's, 
every phrase he could. <laughs> I know everything he could possibly say to like get out of this, but he, he just keeps making her feel worse and worse. She knows, right? And Nobody the writing knows. must have had a riot with this scene. Oh, they absolutely. Must have had a riot because butt ugly was one of the nice. Was nice, the nicest? Yes. That the surveys. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Group said, yeah. Yeah. It's such a fantastic scene. Like uh, the focus group, the the twin consultants, and they leave. Then they le- they leave the number for the plastic surgeon. Yeah, they leave uh, the number. Oh God, the plastic surgeon. Well, we'll get there. We'll uh, get- first, though, we have to talk about Larusso, who uh, again. It honestly seems like I don't remember. I mean, I know that I know basically what happens because his trial miraculously. His trial wraps up in like the last episode of the show or something like that. Like they managed to fit, wrap up this storyline before the show got canceled. Cause I don't know what I would have done if they couldn't have managed that. Right. Yeah. But, um, I don't remember the details of it, but what I'm, I guess not surprised by, but very interested by is how his entire character seems to be a criticism of the concept of a tough cop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> He is the worst. He's such a monster. He is the true sociopathic yeah. cop. That is that is all you get out of him. Just like this dead-eyed monster who is who loves his power and loves taking people down and it doesn't go any further than that. Yeah. Because we see him with his girlfriend who I mean, she's not a stripper cuz they couldn't have strippers on television, so oil wrestling? Sure, why not? Uh, I feel like it's more dignified just to be a stripper because then you're not having to wash your hair eight times a night, but uh, <laughs> be that as it may be no. that as it may. She's coded as a stripper without being a stripper. And he is horrible to her. Now. Yeah. Now the thing is, is that it's, it is, you call her the girlfriend Oh, he later lies and says it's his wife. Yes, he's But that's only for a bit. That's only for a bit to try and entrap that guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, but that's his girlfriend. Yes. But then again, later on... No, he's not married. This is his girlfriend and he treats her horribly. Yes, but they live together as well. I think so, yes. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it's assumed when he's, of course, when they're looking for bail and stuff like that, right? Yeah. It's assumed that that there's nothing she can do. Yes. Oh. But yeah, he's he and she gets a song about uh, why does she feel so, you know, drawn to and the victim of these horrible, violent men, these horrible, abusive men, and she doesn't know how to stop. And yeah. it's all very, very tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Horrible he is to, to work He is. Her. Like, he is he is awful to her, and it only gets worse over the course of the episode. Uh, yeah. Then we get Rose and his partner. And here's here's the thing where I have to question the the show. And, I mean, and I don't honestly know. Okay, so they go in to deal with the domestic dispute. Right, and Rose is grabbing the violent, uh, the violent husband. husband boyfriend, whatever, and 
uh, his partner is talking to the wife and trying to get her to, right, to explain what happened, right? Just, you know, normal stuff. And then the, the criminal, the criminal, the abusive husband, grabs, uh, grabs Rose's partner's gun and tries to, you know, and doesn't know what he's going to do. And Rose has to point a gun at him and talk him down, right? And here's the thing. And this is, again, I don't know whether this is me pointing out bad writing or the show addressing something that's going to come up later. But Rose blames his partner for being too nice and, you know, not not laying down the law with the, uh, you know, with the abusive boyfriend because, you know, forces all these people understand and respect. And he talks about letting the guy uh, get his gun away from him because he grabbed him out of his uh, grabbed it out of his holster. But here's the thing. Rose's partner was dealing with the wife. It was Rose's partner. It was Rose's job to keep the husband to keep away. the husband away from her. Yes. Rose is the one who screwed up here. And I don't think it's bad writing. Okay. You think they know that, right? Yeah, I think that and that, they, that, that might come up later or okay. Yeah, cuz I mean, it's it's a complicated it's a complicated situation except that yes, it Rose was supposed to keep the husband in check. Rose is not going to take responsibility for anything. Yeah. You know, and he didn't see, you know, and he ultimately he still uh I would say really you know. Okay, so yeah, I was just worried that the show was going back on what it was saying last week about Rose versus his partner's view on the world. And I didn't think it was. I think the show knows this was Rose's fault, but his partner is so green that he doesn't understand that this is Rose's fault. And, you know, because this, this show, okay, is developing, because if you think about these three episodes that we watched. Yeah. You know, and I am so scared, right? At the end of the third of the third episode that we watched. So episode three, four, five. Five. Right? You're 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 watching something that is supposed to be positive and beautiful, but I'm afraid. Yeah. I mean, that's the brilliance of this writing, and it's the same thing here. It's that there are these two relatively naive cops. There's Rose's new partner. Yep. And then there is our coroner's wife. Yes. And she is naive. Oh, she absolutely is. Completely naive. And we will get into that story in a minute, because that's what most of episode four and a bunch of episode five are about. Yeah. And what I would say is that when you put those together, you're seeing a pattern here. Will they... Or would they have eventually become like the other cops? Yeah. Would they have stuck their guns or found a middle road? Would they have tried to change things? Would they have bucked the system or would they have just become institutionalized? Yeah. And the same thing. I mean, because you see that being done in NYPD Blue. Oh, totally. I mean, Dennis Franz is, you know, that he becomes the chief character. But he also undergoes a lot of changes. In oh, that. my God. Yeah, it's it's quite it's an amazing journey. And you understand why he kept w- winning Emmys. So I think that 
I think that even in this show, this is what you're seeing because we're watching these people shift and change. Yeah, and I now, would, what it is. It, it is interesting to imagine where this would have went. Yeah, where it would have went because you're looking at Boston, right? Like yeah. you're looking at at the mayor and you're looking at what's going on with the mayor and the chief of police. Yeah. And and all of these things are changing even our white hat cop. Yeah. makes a little shift. I mean, mm-hmm. he's pretty categorical too about right and wrong. Yeah. And following rules. It's not like we don't have um they're all they're all very categorical in what is right and wrong. Well, it's interesting that, like, you have this situation where Ronnie Cox, like, has to officially think and have to officially say that he wished there were more cops like the captain on the force who stand up to corruption. But it's like, his whole song is about how he wishes stuff was just black and white, and you could let the gunslingers just do their thing. Yeah. So we have this, like, complete uh, difference between what the character is forced to say because it's what's expected of him and what the song tells us he really means and really feels. And again, that's what a really good musical will do. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, the scene with the domestic abuse ends with a song, which is, a I mean, it's a pretty good song. It's a, I was just going to say, that's a really good yeah, duet. Like the, the two of them, the duet they oh. sing, again, about not being able to stop, right? Yeah. About how love makes you do crazy things and about how, uh, you know, you can't love healthy, but you still love. I mean, it's it's a good song. It's it's a really good little blues song. Yeah, it's it is a good little blues song. And it's this situation where, yeah, this is all stuff we know, but it is just laying out in a really, really well done way. It's a very good song. This, this, this show is... I, I can under like I always understood why it didn't continue. Yeah. At the same time, you know, I wish it had. <laughs> hmm Because it is developing these characters. Yeah. Everything. I mean, Bochco put everything. Uh, he must have really loved this. Oh, clearly. Clearly, he's putting everything into this this show. This show these characters, this world, like it's again. I've just watched all of NYPD Blue, and I'm saying it's it just expanded what this show was already doing. Yeah, and um, you know, is this the episode? Because I have run these episodes kind of together. Is this the episode where he's in the gym? Uh, I think. Well, I'll I'll check to make sure. Uh, but uh, it might be, or that might be next week. Okay. Um, but this is the scene because uh, this is mostly about Larusso's stuff with um, LaRusso's, uh, he goes to make a drug buy, right? Have these guys set him up with their dealer. And in the middle of convincing them to do it, the captain walks in and reminds him that, and essentially outs him to these guys as a cop and reminds him that he's on restricted duty. And he is not to have anything to do with anything. Yep. Not that Russo, LaRusso listens. No, not that he's going to listen. Not that he's going to care. Then we get the, uh, no, I don't think, no, it's not the episode with the, um, with the gym, because this is where we get the, mu- the, 
the the great big show stopping number, uh, the plastic surgeon's number. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so good. That's right. She goes in. Well, she, first of all, she she calls. She goes in to see him, and yeah. she's and he's and he's whipping her through all of the different noses. She said, "No, I know exactly what I want." Yep. Gerald. Ferreira's no no Diane Feinstein's Stein's nose, nose and Geraldine Ferreira's chin and it's just and, like you know, and lose fat take out the wrinkles the body can you yeah. fix the body and this that and the other thing and he's just writing down and eventually liposuction is at the end right that's yep. the body part um oh, yeah. yeah so she you know uh, so she says and he has a place for tomorrow I mean this is the funny part I mean it it you don't recover that fast from that no 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 but uh, i mean we'll see what she looks like next episode and i think we're supposed to assume that x amount of time has passed between there yeah and she you know so she says and he says i've got an opening tomorrow because somebody canceled yeah so we'll do it right away "Um," she's going um and he says well do you need time to think about it she says oh no 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 i don't yeah i just want to know are you going to make me pretty oh Right. And she's and she just thinks pretty. And yeah. he goes, when I'm done with you, you're going to be beautiful. And then <laughs> they go into this huge production. Number. Oh, that number. I just I love it so much. Him and all of his assistants. This giant thing about how essentially you can be anybody you want. Yep. Yep. You know, uh, it's it's I mean it's a beautiful song about transformation. Love this musical number. I I think it's like the best big showstopper the show has done yet. Then we get uh, the end of the Larusso storyline where he uh, goes ahead and meets with the drug dealer anyway, even though he's lost his introduction. And uh, arranges to meet at his uh, girlfriend's place so he can whore out his girlfriend to the guy to prove his bona fides and to prove that he's not a cop and is a player. And the guy agrees to sell him the drugs. And then he goes to arrest him. And the guy pulls a gun on LaRusso's girlfriend. And LaRusso gets him to surrender because he makes it clear that he genuinely doesn't care if the guy kills her or not. Yeah. Because he's the worst. This man is absolutely the worst. Yep. We have no sympathy for him. No, you can't have any sympathy for him, but it's it's engaging with this idea that, again, this is what a hero cop looks like in the real world. A guy who breaks all the rules to get his man. He would be a monster. Mm Mm-hmm. You would necessarily be a monster if you were happy to break all of the rules to get your man. Like, it is... It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is. As what was the guy's name, Butch, in L.A. Confidential? Um, oh, uh, Bud. Bud White. But, yeah. Yeah, it's that same kind of thing. It's exactly that same kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> Except no. that was years after this. Yeah, I know. And then we get the final song, which is a song about how uh, uh, the booking song with all of the people. It's a company song and essentially uh, reinforcing the them and us world of the police. And uh, how is it that uh, there's a them and there's us 
and the cops always lie to these people and these people like you pretend you're here to protect us protect and serve but all you do is crush us and it, the whole thing is it's a them and us song to set up the punchline that the sequence ends with a cop getting arrested yeah because it's not that it's not that strict of them and us you are not you know compl- you are not differing armies you are th- theoretically all supposed to be held by the same laws and so it ends with LaRusso getting arrested and all of the cops being stunned by that and not yeah. being happy about that which, which tells you that there is some truth in the song oh absolutely I mean, again, they're using the songs. Like, we've critiqued a couple of the songs in the past, right? Uh, but this they are doing a good job this episode of using the songs to show these dichotomies. And to, and again, to go the, the genius of using a song to express emotional truth and you go to this violent, uh, th- this violent horrible man mistreating his spouse you know whether it's his girlfriend or his wife i don't remember and then you go to this blues song yeah. to show what their feet like what is in their hearts that forces both of them to put up with the to him to do this horrible behavior and her to put up with it like yeah. again they're using the songs to get at the emotional truth of the situation which again it's exactly what they should be for i'm saying it i was on the fence last week this week i'll say it this is a good musical yeah no, I, I I think so. It's just so it's weird. It's weird. It's out of it's out of sync, but here but here's the thing. Yeah. When we start talking about this stuff. Yeah. Good and bad, because there are other things that I'm not we saying they're all watch. great. No, no. But but they are successful. Yeah. It is the um I think sometimes some of the longer songs, like some of the, what happened with the first two episodes too, is that the personal songs were a little bit longer yeah. than they needed to be. I think that's true. Here, the one thing I would say that has changed here is, yes, the, the chief of police gets his long song. The plastic surgeon gets his long song, but the blues song with the couple is short. Yep. The song with the girlfriend slash wife is. Yep, it's really brief. It cuts in. It makes it point. It gets out. It gets out. And yep. so I think that 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 would have been something that um, they've smartened up. No, yep. I think the music is getting better because it's like the last time. We, we respected most were these when they had these brief songs, when they just get in, they made their point and get out. The best example being Rose's eulogy song. Yeah. It gets well, in, it makes a point, well, it gets out. Well, also the, the, the guilty. Oh, guilty. <laughs> guilty. Oh, yes. The, the jury song, of course, is another classic. Absolutely. It gets in, it makes a point, it gets out. And it's using the songs just right. Yeah. And so the next episode begins with LaRusso's in jail. And here's the thing about this show. And again, I, I'm glad to see that it is getting this critical reassessment because we've talked for 30 years about how good this show was. <laughs> and, and then going, what if it isn't as good as we, good as we remember and find, watching it again? But I'm going to tell you something. Like, I've always remembered the a couple of songs from this show. 
Mm-hmm. For 30 years. I only watched it once. We didn't tape Cop Rock. We didn't watch this over and over again. But I've always remembered the theme song, which I think is a really good song. Yeah. Right? And uh, I'll tell you the other two, right, as we go. Uh, because one of them is here. Uh, and I, I always knew exactly who it was from. It's LaRusso's You Can't Keep a Good Man Down. Yeah, that, well, isn't that funny? Because the one that I, I've never forgotten this song and his fantastic performance of, and again, it's the dichotomy of, uh, uh, he's in jail and it's, it's a whole song about how he's as tough as they are, uh, they are and he's violent as they are, but he still identifies himself as the good guy. I know. And you're just going, oh, geez, okay. Yeah. yeah, like that's that's what's in his head, that he's the good guy, even but as he's singing about different. brutality and being, you know, every bit as mean and awful as the criminals he's in jail with. Yeah. And he is, and he shows it. And he is, and he'll show it later this episode, that he's just fine killing these guys if, uh, you know, to keep them away from him. And I'm not saying that he's not being put in a bad situation. He should probably be in solitary. And not yeah, in general population. But that's covered. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he should have been in isolation or yeah. separated out anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's At it's least, a great song. But you were gonna say about your memories of the songs. Okay, no. Then it must be the third episode. Yes, that, that one begins this second episode. Yeah, it's this is the second episode that starts. Because he's out of jail by the end of this episode. Yes, that's right. He's out of jail, and it's the beginning of the third episode. Okay, well, we'll talk about it when we get there. Then. When we get there, okay. All right, uh, so yes, LaRusso's in jail, and he gets, again, a, a song so good that I've remembered it for 30 years after only watching the show once. Yeah. All right, so uh, then we get a follow-up with Kathleen Wilhoyt. Oh, okay. and... Uh, Paul McCrane, and this is key. Paul McCrane, who showed up last week, joined the cast last week as part of the um, uh, the ensemble at the end, the Us and Them ensemble, is the yeah. other detective on the show. Because they realized, wait, if... Uh... <laughs> and I mean, this is actually very smart on their part, is they're like, wait a minute, if LaRusso's going to be in jail and his partner's all wrapped up with that plot too, who's going to be doing detective stuff on the show? We don't actually have a detective character. And so Paul McCrane gets added. Uh, people may remember him from his time on ER, or for us, he will always be Emil from RoboCop. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who gets toxic waste splashed on him and then explodes when a truck hits him. Oh, Emil, you're the best. And he's in a lot of shows, though. Oh, no, he's he, Paul McCrane's everywhere. Like, Paul McCrane's doing fine. Uh, yeah. But he gets added as a cop who is uh, introduced as a health food nut who offers to uh, tutor the forensics guy That's right. on how to eat and how to live. Uh, so, yeah, this is the episode where we get uh, both uh, <laughs> both the gym song, which is a perfectly fine song. It's a fun song uh, that does a good job of uh, him explaining what the world likes to, looks like to him. And then we get, well, I'll talk about it when we get there. Maybe the funniest scene in any television show ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is quite a quite a statement, but there you go. All right. Uh, so now yeah. Kathleen Wilhoyt shows up at the station and our naive cop, you know, wants to help her because she's admitting that she has sold her baby. Her baby. 
And this is, by the way, if you've heard of Cop Rock, not from us, you've heard about it because uh, the internet went nuts for the fact that there's a uh, a song called Baby Merchant. Yeah. And everyone, you know, the internet kind of went nuts. And it's like, they can't believe this was actually on television. But I'll say it. Uh, Baby Merchant is a banger. Great song. No notes. No, no. Well, it's why just a would fantastic it song. Well, yeah, if you take it out of context. Oh, yeah, it looks strange if you take it out of context, but if you've but, already watched four episodes of, and this is why I don't, you know, it didn't occur to me as being particularly strange, because if you've seen four episodes of this show, Baby Merchant makes perfect sense. But if it's the first way you find out about the show, you're like, what the hell am I watching? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's why the inter went, went nuts for it. They love things that make them feel, what the hell am I watching? And it's hard to ask them to watch four episodes of television before they get to Baby Merchant. Uh, even though, as we're making the point here, it's great television. Yeah, it is. It is very watchable. I now know why we watched it every yeah. week. We never missed this thing. This was appointment television. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, and you know why the minute you start watching it, like, no, the songs are good. The, the acting's fantastic. And the plot is really compelling. Stellar. It's just a stellar TV show. It is Botchko at his best. So um, they get the information from Kathleen Wilhoyt to try and find out who is making this deal, right? And because our naive cop has persuaded her, yeah, that that she will help her, that, help that, her, that, right? If she oh. turn rolls over on this, uh, right? If she rolls over on this, you can. Uh, Right. Uh, go into rehab. You and can we'll go into rehab and we'll help you get your kid back. And the captain's like, no, it's nice that she told you that, but you're getting arrested. You sold a baby. We're charging you with slavery. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get Kathleen Wilhoyd's song. And I was like, she's a fantastic singer. And it's and it's so funny. It is a song that is in, entirely about indicting cops for the way they lie to suspects, lie to people to get them to confess and then screw them over and go back on everything they said. That's what the song's about. And it's so weird. And of course the woman is, looks the, our main, main cop looks ashamed to have been a part of this and doesn't like oh, what she just did, happened. She, didn't. Yeah, I, I, she thought I, she was, she didn't know she was lying. No, she had no idea that what the this, captain was going to do. Yeah, what the captain was going to do. And as the captain explains, I am a father. Yeah. I have two children. Yeah, She's it's it's so abhorrent what she did. She sold her child yeah. to buy drugs. Yes, but she understands that now. Well, okay. And you can understand. Oh, yeah. You know, what happens. I mean, this if there is one problematic, right, as you watch this particular thread, it is a very problematic issue. Oh yeah. Well, and what I but I, what I loved about this is again, I've been watching NYPD Blue and we talked about it last week, yeah. the idea that, you know, what cops do is they lie to you to get you to confess. Like they explain they come up with a lie about how if you just confess in a specific way, you probably won't get any time because but they're just doing whatever they can to get you to incriminate yourself. Yeah. And, and you can never trust anything a cop says. And again, in NYPD Blue, that's like shown as a positive thing that cops do that. But here, there's a whole song about how cops are monsters for doing this. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. 
about how you can, I mean, it's a song about how you can never trust a cop. And I'm like, and that is kind of the message of the show. Okay, but here's here's the point, right? Please. That I would think is that the network didn't know what to make of this show and therefore didn't have notes. Yeah. Right? Didn't send notes to Botchko about its... They were so distracted by the song, they didn't send any notes about the content? Or they didn't understand what the content really was because they didn't bother re listening to or reading the songs. I mean, that's possible. I like, I can fully, I can fully, because it's in the songs yeah. that you are getting the messages, the, guts, yeah. the message. And so I can just see these guys at the network. Their eyes glazing over and fast forwarding through the songs. Yeah. Fast forwarding through the lyrics, right? Yeah. And they're missing the, uh, they're missing the points it's making. Yeah. And whereas once you got to NYPD Blue. It's I right there in front of you and they have to. Okay. I see your point. Yeah. I'm sure there were notes. After yeah. all, I, I'll give you 10 to 1 that Blue Bloods doesn't get any notes. No, they love cops over at Blue Bloods. <laughs> so, no, I, I have a feeling. And that sometimes we forget about that fact. Yeah. No, I mean, we do. I mean, sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. And we nail it. And we can usually find corroborating evidence. Oh, absolutely. In this case, I'm not sure you would find it. It's just yeah. a hunch. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, I have a hard time. I'm right now, right? I, I create, I've created a couple of playlists for my students. Right? Yeah. Trying to, you have to listen to the words of these songs and what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And okay, so this is a song from the 70s, short of, I am woman, hear me roar. This is a song from the, late 80s early 90s sisters are doing it for themselves yeah right what about respect and what it's really saying mm -hmm. you know, got to pay attention to lyrics because they're telling you something about the culture in this case right yeah and how women are perceiving themselves because those two songs became anthems yep right for the women's movement at different points in time and you look at aretha franklin and annie lennox yeah and uh and look at all of the we'll see i told my students that they were going to have to go look up go to wikipedia and read all about goldmeyer and indira gandhi yeah because of course those two women are in the background of the song like as they're flashing through newsreels and everything else Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. And and then ask yourself the question, what would they think today? Yeah. About the world that that we are inhabiting 40 years later, 50 years later? Mm -hmm. huh? Don't even don't even begin to think. It'll be interesting if they do their homework. They're supposed yeah. to. So we go from there, right? Yeah, but uh, we have we dogs. meet the uh <laughs> the our cops, our lead cops, the uh, the 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 naive patrol agent and her partner she wants to sleep with, <laughs> decide to uh, are you know encouraged to go and pretend to be a couple, to wants to buy a baby, and yeah. they're going to go and trying to and they go to see the lawyer, who Kathleen Wilhoyd saw before she was approached by the baby merchant people, and it's Gordon Clapp from NYPD Blue. <laughs> 
Yes. It's Greg Metavoy, the guy who was in the second yeah. lowest, highest number of episodes of the show. Yeah. He like missed three episodes. But other than that, just like Andy, he was in every episode. Uh, and I'm like, oh, it's Gordon Clapp. I love Gordon Clapp. I was just super happy to see him. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Then we get Baby Merchant, which again, fantastic song. It's just a really good song. It it's a great performance. Because it just lays sort of this all up. This sleazy, creepy guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got a baby for you. Two a sleazy, ago. creepy guy. And it's saying, and I mean, it's making the points really clear that it's like, we're talking about a member of your family. How can you put a price on that? Like, how can you possibly think a price is too high for a member of your family? Yes, I'm talking $11,000, right? Yeah. yeah. And it is a shockingly small amount of money, you know, in today's well, parlance. Well, yes, but in today's parlance, it would probably be a bit more. It would be, be 50 grand today. Yeah. It would be 50 grand today, yes. Uh, but it's just, I know that the, the dollar has depreciated that way. I understand it. It's just when you hear a character talking about it, when you're watching a movie, you're like, oh my God, you know, this entire movie spins around a $3 million cocaine deal. And it's like in the present day, you're listening to that and you're like, seriously, there are cars that cost $3 million. <laughs> That's it. That's what all of these people are killing and dying over a $3 million cocaine deal. Uh, but yes. So now we get the scene that, again, I, I'd say one of the funniest scenes I've ever watched in my life. Where the Nat, frustrated by his diet, uh, uh, our forensics officer goes to the scene of a mob homicide where three guys were shot at lunch. A mob And as the detective is laying out the details, he keeps picking up pieces of food off the table. I know. And the poor cop is dead. Just has no idea how to deal with this. <laughs> what? How could you? Yeah, yeah. How could you have the slightest idea what to do in this situation? And finally, cop's like, uh, you know, the guy's like, you know, you can wait outside. And the cop's like, yes, I will wait outside. And he sits down and he puts on the, the dead guy's napkin. And he starts just eating his lobster. Oh my god, it's such a good scene. And you watch it, you're like, I don't know that I've ever seen this scene before. I mean, I literally have, but it's like comedy this big about this. I honestly don't know if I've seen this concept done this hilariously well. Yeah, because normally you always have cops who are very upset that coroners yeah. and the rest of it are willing to have their lunch in the same room with all these corpses and stuff, yeah. right? Exactly. Or they'll eat or they'll offer you something, right? Yeah, and we've seen that bit a hundred times. A million times. This is, you know. This version of it? Nope, no, we haven't seen this a hundred times. <laughs> Never. Bochco knows his television. Oh my God, does he know his television? <laughs> Just... You know, and so he's going to give us something really <laughs> different. And this allows you to do that. Yeah version even though there's no song here no it's it fantastic just, but it allows you to put this scene in you have the cop who's like horrified at what he's doing it was one thing when he was picking up the bed rolls be yeah. bread rolls bread rolls and stacking on them when he sits yeah. down to finish a guy's meal yeah oh so good so such a good scene 
Just a fantastic scene. No notes. All right. Um, and then we do more baby merchant stuff. The uh, They arrest the guy who drops off the baby. And they find out where... Um, and they make a deal to find out where Kathleen Wilhoit's baby is. Yes. Because uh, there's a bigger... There's, yeah. a bigger there's a bigger fish for him to roll on. Yeah. All right. Uh, and again, I think we're supposed to assume that this is taking place over some amount of time. It's hard to tell. Like, yeah. you're right that it feels like this is all just the next day. Yes. But I think we're supposed to believe this is taking place over some amount of time to get the operation together, do all that, because then we have Barbara Bosson show up in her new form. They've removed all of the old age and big nose makeup they had on this actress. Yeah. And she's going to an event with the chief, and the chief is absolutely, you know, gobsmacked yes. by how she looks now. He didn't even recognize her. No, does not recognize her at all. It's uh, it's it's beautiful. Uh, LaRusso gets bailed out of jail by uh, not Sid, but by the female lawyer. Yeah, because right. they got the bail. First of all, they got the bail. Amount reduced. Yeah, they got the bail no, amount it's reduced. Only 10, yeah, it's only ten thousand to put up, and she's happy to put it up. Well, she uh, actually, because, she as she says, it's not much money to her. No, but she only in one of her many many power games, she starts by talking about how that really isn't any money to her. After we've heard, and again, it's key that we've already talked. Uh, we've heard him talking about the fact that like. $2,500 is all of the, you know, liquid cash he has in the world. Yes. And so now we've got her being like, 10000 isn't a large amount of money. So again, they're, they're making it clear what these power games are in this relationship right away. Because he comes to her office to proposition her, correctly assuming that she's attracted to him, right? But he doesn't understand and will, you know, only gradually learn to understand that yeah, she's the one who has the power in this relationship, and that is something that is wholly unfamiliar and uncomfortable for him. Very foreign to him. Initially, of course, it looks good. But, well, we'll see in the next yes, episode yes, how that starts to play. But yeah, but that's the key thing. Like, it is all about destroying your idea of what this hyper-masculine hero cop is. Yep. Like, that's what this whole thing is about, and it's doing a great job. And then we get the then we get the gym song, where our schlubby uh, coroner, coroner, uh, medical examiner, whatever, like forensic specialist, is surrounded by literal bodybuilders, and he's like, "That's a hell of you know." It's like that might be fine as a way to live your life, but it's not me. Yeah, because it's a good song. And it's it a good song. It's short to the point. Gets its point across. What more can you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we have, uh, again, she go, the the cop, our you know, rookie cop, goes to the captain to try and advocate for Kathleen Wilhoit. And he just doesn't agree with it. He doesn't think she should have another chance. He doesn't believe in her. Yeah. Well, I can't blame him. Yeah. Sold her baby. <laughs> you know, you just kind of go. She yeah. sold her baby. I, I, think I know. Oh, I get it. I get it. And so, and now we get the finale of the episode, which I was talking about. We start with her looking at the painting of herself and how ugly she is. And now we get her looking in a mirror at how beautiful she is. 
and her not understanding if she's still her and yeah. her complete lack of comfort because she has always had, uh, you know, this incredibly contentious relationship with Daryl Gates, you know, the yeah. fake Daryl Gates, Ronnie Cox. And now suddenly he's falling all over himself to treat her in a chivalrous way, talking about how that's how you treat a lady. And it's like, well, you never did before. Yep. That's not how you acted before. And and she's seeing that, oh, beautiful women are living in this whole different world than I was. And what does that mean for me? Yeah. And it's a great moment. And it goes interesting places for the character forward, I'm hoping. I'm sure it does. Yes. It's, oh, it's such a good episode. All right. Then the third episode, uh, we follow up on the, uh, we get the opening, which by the way, is the third song I've remembered this entire time. <laughs> yes, that's that. That's what I was going to say. Is the, about how the upper class guy, people seeing about how, the white collar people seeing about how, why on earth should we be held to the same laws as all of these poor people? We don't live on the street. We don't do crack. Sure, we buy some cocaine, but don't why? Step on my American dream. Don't, yes, exactly. It's. I mean, this is the song. I've never forgotten this song. Oh, Don't yeah. mess with my pursuit of happiness. I know it is. <laughs> it's right there. It's like you're cops. You're supposed to be protecting us, not them. Yeah. Is the message yeah. of this song, and yeah. it's also what the episode is about. Yep. <laughs> It's it, it's very interesting. It it is that song has always stuck with yeah. me, right? Too don't yeah mess with my pursuit of happiness. Don't step on my American dream. You know, it, it is it is like we pay our taxes. So why should we? You know, what shouldn't we get some credit for that? Shouldn't we be allowed to do whatever we want? It's essentially saying we're part of the system. So we shouldn't be, you know, prosecuted, which is the Fine. same thing LaRusso thinks. Yeah. Exactly. Which is the same thing a lot of the cops think. Yeah, we're part of the system. We're protecting everybody from the massive hordes of the yep. great unwashed. Mm -hmm. So why should we suffer? And as, It's, and it's yeah. a good song. Yeah, and I mean, we've discussed this topic. I mean, it, you, you can see it when we t we talk about uh, the alienist, for example. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. And the history of... of the the NYPD in that. Yeah, the history of, of cops there. Or we haven't... T there are other shows that look at the founding of policemen, right? Yep. And it's always, right, to protect the state. The problem is... Yes, never mind. Go read Foucault. <laughs> I know. Go read We're not Foucault. here to give you a uh, a crash course. Yes. On the fascist origins of policing. But uh, a lot of very good thinkers have written very readable books about the subject. Yes. Not Foucault, though. No, not Foucault. Like, you you want to read someone who's adapted. That's pretty dry. <laughs> well, it's, it's it, dry. It, is, it, is, it is why it is a consistent... His his dis discourse on sexuality, his dis which is the one he's most famous for, but his discourse on mental illness, mm -hmm. his discourse on crime and punishment, uh, yeah. is is yeah, uh, he just 
okay, here is the system. And this is, this is what it does. That's what I have to do. I have to write my Foucault about the Bible. Yeah. Where it's like, here's the system, but we're not here to talk about your upcoming book. Uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about this episode of Cop Rock, which next introduces Gina Gershon. Yes. You know, beloved actress Gina Gershon. Uh, and I'm trying to think, is there a moment where Gina Gershon became super famous or was it just a gradual thing? I it's think like everybody knows who Gina Gershon is, but was there a breakout part? I can't. It's just she kept showing up. Yeah. Or it's oh, just she's so obviously a star. Yeah. That uh that like we just she just gradually, you know, got uh got into everybody's head. Cause I was watching um Red Heat the other day. Cause you know, I love Red Heat. And she's in that playing the uh the guy the the lady that the evil guy married for a green car for so he'd get into the country to make heroin deals, right? The god, you know, essentially bribed into marrying this guy so he could make heroin deals. Yeah. And I looked at the trivia and it turns out like uh, Gina Gershon was brought in to read for a uh, prostitute who is there during a gunfight that Arnold Schwarzenegger has with the yeah. with the gang uh, with the the clean head gang. And Walter Hill met her and was so blown away by Gina Gershon. Like, how about you just play the better part? Mm -hmm. Like, let's just offer you the much better part. And it's like I'm watching her and I'm like, she's so good in this. Yeah. It's not, she's, it's a one episode part, but it's like, she completely sells her t absolute terror at this guy. Cause it's an episode about stalking. Yeah. She plays a mid-range celebrity who's got a stalker and Paul McCrane develops a crush on her and tries to scare off the stalker. And then when the stalker, I'm zipping through this cause there's only one real song in this, uh, but I think it's a very good song. Uh, Again, yes. It tells you the stalker's point of view. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess there's two songs, uh, but yes, uh, that that's only after it's over. But yeah, the Stalker's Point of View song is so good. Yes. Like yep. getting inside the head of this absolute maniac. Yep. Right. And how to him, it's a love story. And you're like, okay, yeah, that makes it all nice and clear. Yeah. The fact that to him, it's a love story makes this, it, everything you've explained, everything you need to about this situation. But anyway, we'll get to the end of her stuff as it goes. But the point is... She's a very good in this part. She's in everything. Yeah, she is always good. She's been working since 1981. And, and I'm just looking at her IMDb page. And yes, she just kind of everybody knows, but that's because she's in everything. Yeah. And it's like on some level, I want to be like, oh, you know, uh, Bound. That was fantastic. But yeah. like, is that a thing everybody saw? It's the Wachowski. It's what the Wachowskis did before the Matrix, and it's an amazing movie. And she's unbelievably good in it. But it's like, is that something everybody saw? I don't no. think that's a breakout performance because there you know. is. She played Nat Nancy Sinatra in the Sinatra. Movie. Yeah, see, this is what I'm talking about. She's in but everything. She's just anyway. all of these little, like I'm just looking all these little shows. She has every now and then she'll have twelve episodes in something, you know, and yeah. She was but, in movies yeah, like she's just Netflix. everywhere. She was in Showgirls, for example. Of course, just yeah, always. she's playing the uh, the the older lady part in All About Eve. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, then we get a scene where the chief of police and his assistant are met by a city councilor, who is annoyed that his assistant slash girlfriend 
was one of the people grabbed up for cocaine possession and he wants her to get kicked. Yeah. And he's uh and he's very clear about the fact that he'll be happy to vote for and encourage the police department's new budget were they to look into this. And as he says, I mean, he repeats the sentiment from the song at the beginning. This isn't the kind of person you put in jail for something like this. This is the person you give a pass. He's like, this isn't even a corruption quid pro quo. Like, I believe in supporting the police and the police know that this isn't the kind of person you put in jail. <laughs> and the thing that's so horrifying about this scene, A, it's just casual corruption, but B, the thing they're talking about is the heavy militarization of the police yes. that has caused so many problems for the past 30 years. In the United States, yeah. In the United States. And this is when just the LAPD were buying these tanks. Yeah. Right? And it's a, just an out-and-out -out criticism of the procurement process for these tanks being completely corrupt because everyone sane can see the cops shouldn't have them. Right? Yes. Uh, right? Shouldn't have them. But... You know, the cops want them and this guy can cover up, uh, they'll cover up a crime for this guy's girlfriend if they can get them. So there you go. She's just his assistant. No, he's, she's not just his assistant. No, no. I oh, yes. But that's what they're that. saying. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's what the characters what are saying. You're said, right. And then, of course, they make the comment. Well, boy, you know. <laughs> he's quite so. doing quite a bit for his assistant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, making the snipe comment yep. you know that that sometimes sometimes so many of us will will not say well i wonder who she's sleeping with because that's terrible to say but in this <laughs> case yeah it happens to be absolutely accurate <laughs> so uh then we get uh larusso going back to try and uh sleep with his lawyer again and she being uh uninterested in doing things on his schedule yes <laughs> Uh, which is a great scene because, again, it shows you what the power dynamic is not going to be what he's used to. And she uses her financial pressure to control him as well, pointing out that it's like, you're not a cop anymore. You're not getting paid. You know, how are you supposed to live? And getting him a job doing security. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of money in doing security for high ticket events, but he has no power whatsoever. And that, you know, That's attacks his ego. It doesn't interest him no. at all. Especially but, when a guy is flirting with her and gives him $100 to go fetch his car. No, he gives the $100 to a waitress. <laughs> yeah, so he gives the $100 to a waitress. Because again, he's like, you can't, you know, you can't humiliate. You can't buy me off like that. But the thing is, the whole scene is about how money is all, all of this is about. Because you've got the Democratic senator. Yep. That Barbara Boston is presumably going to be running, the Republicans are, you know, grooming her to run against, doing an entire song about how this is all no, only about money. No, she's going to go to the Senate. She's going to replace him. He's If he w becomes governor. Yes, yes, she's going to be, yes. Senate. Yes, sorry, I've got that backwards. Yes. Uh, they're all Republicans. Yes. If he becomes governor, she's going to take over his seat. Exactly. Uh, that's all the plan. Um, yes, I completely said that wrong. Sorry. Uh, but yes, it's, and again, it's a statement about how policy's fine, people are fine. This is all just about money. Yep. And that's what every scene about politics has been about so far. 
Yes, well, and image, 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 image. I mean, that that whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, but we want to show you, you know, walking the streets with this this beautiful, the, the beaches. And the, yeah, wow. and we can't do that if you're ugly. Yes, and we can't do that if you're ugly. You know, like you being a part of this, you know, great state and people just don't want to see an ugly lady do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I wow. know. Saying what everybody knows is true, but doesn't want to, yeah, acknowledge. Yeah. So then uh, they get the the deputy uh, deputy chief goes to the captain and gets the woman kicked, saying we got to make a deal, and the captain's okay with it. He's not happy about it, but he's okay with it. Oh, okay. And then we get the scene where Kathleen Wilhoit uh, makes her play for getting her baby back makes her wonderful speech about how she's doing everything she can and, you know, she'll get clean. She just needs to be with her baby. And of course the, the woman from child protective services is not happy about this. Cause again, she sold her baby. She sold her baby. And I mean, this is, this is part of the problem that we all have watching this. Yeah. As I said, when we get to the end, because she makes her plea. The judge says, okay, he's going he's gonna to think about it overnight and they'll meet again at 10 o'clock in the morning. She is given probation as long as she goes into rehab and then she will be allowed to have her baby with her at rehab. Yeah. She, she does get that. The, the social service, services agency is just mm-hmm. horrified and I'm going, yes, and you see the home that because we didn't talk too much about that, but the baby, of course, is in this beautiful home. Beautiful home with these parents who seem to the, you know, I mean, God only knows if they, well, maybe I they're I, terrible people, but we've, we're. Well, it, it, it's legal adoption is always very difficult if you want just a baby. Yeah. Because there aren't that many babies for the being given away. At that, exactly. Particularly at that, during that period of time. Yeah. So um, this is before you could just go grab a baby from Russia or China. Yes. Or South Korea. Or South Korea. <laughs> Talking about Vincenzo. But it's also true. Well, it's not, uh, not just Vincenzo. Vincenzo. No, I know. I know. It awesome. shows up as a plot point in a lot of them because that's a thing that really happened. That's a thing that really happened. And there there is a CBC documentary about that, about one, about a number of these South Korean children who actually did have parents. They might have been in orphanages, but they did actually have parents yeah. to go back to. So the whole thing with Vincenzo is real. Oh, and yeah. That, you know, like it's weird, the things that you find out. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Um, so but- we get a great scene, uh, but then we get the fantastic scene where Paul McCrane goes to try and scare off the uh, scare off the stalker. Yeah. Right. And say how... Uh, he'll make it his personal project to ruin this guy's life if he doesn't leave this woman alone. And like, and it's clear to him right away that this guy isn't getting it. No, and, well, it's, no, because it's her birthday. Yeah. Today is. Did you know her birthday is? You know, tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and, and so yeah, oh. just obsessed. His whole place is obsessed. He has mm-hmm. he has pictures of her everywhere. None, well, as he says, happens. none of which is against the law. Yeah, and he's taken he's taken tapes of her, so yep. he's got these black and white tapes that he's taken up. He's filmed her, following yeah. her, filming her. So yeah, I mean he's definitely a stalker, and she's afraid that he's eventually. And I mean he did send her 
a vial of his blood. I know. Ooh. No wonder she was freaked out. We didn't mention that. I mean, she had no. every reason to be freaked out. Oh, no, she is like, no one is saying she's unjustified. Again, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, but I'm very sympathetic towards her position here. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and she does explain it and they explained to to her that there isn't anything they can do about it because, yeah. you know, and it's the old story. We talk about this every time we talk about stalkers. No, you know, you're dead before they can do anything about it. And that's what she says. You know, it's like, what am I supposed to do? Wait until he's killed me before you guys will do anything about this? She says, because I'm afraid all the time. Well, wait till yeah. he does something. He call does me. Something well, nobody, all Paul McCrane says, call me if you're feeling afraid. And she's like, I'm afraid all, all the time. time. Which is quite reasonable. Like, yeah. we know the Teresa Saldana story. We know the Dominique Dunn story. Like, yeah. this goes bad fast when it goes bad. Yeah. So it's like, sure, her fear is completely 100% justified. Yeah. When she's Especially in- when you see the guy's psycho, like you say, his psycho trailer. <laughs> Yikes. You know, and then you watch it. And, 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 but it is interesting that after the cop leaves, right after, uh, anyway, can't remember. But before we get there, um, what's really interesting uh, is we get the next scene, right, of um, uh, the the... Now that his assistant is out of jail, the guy's going to give all of the tanks the cops want. Yeah. And the mayor is a little iffy on it. Yeah. And they're like, but, you know, but the, the cops are like, well, no, it's like you need you need tanks to deal with people these days. It's just it's just what the world is. We're going to need these tanks. And she signs off on it. And then we get this wonderful scene furthering her and the chief's relationship because she wants to know why he's his behavior towards her has been completely transformed <laughs> because suddenly he's deferring to her and suddenly he's not complaining about women being in charge anymore. And suddenly he's being, he's not <laughs> screaming at her over things. <laughs> and, and, but, and then he wants to tell her that she's, you know, after the, this meeting yeah, um, with, with the, con- the uh, city councilor, the city councilor or with the councilman, yeah. You know, and then everybody goes out. So the two of them are talking and, you know, and he says, and I want you to understand nothing's changed. You're still the mayor and I'm the chief of police and the rest of it. And then she's, I, I think she's thinking, okay, didn't mean anything. Oh, uh, no, it turns out it means everything. He has been completely bowled over. He cannot stop thinking about her. She stop thinking about him. The two of them are just like, and they don't know exactly what to do about it she's more in control than he is mm-hmm. but he has just done a th- well a 180 a but- complete 180 and it's like he can only respect a woman he's attracted to <laughs> I know. <laughs> really really messed up stuff going on in his character's head well yes and he apologizes for not seeing her inner beauty I know, the minute he can see her outer beauty, he apologizes for not seeing her inner beauty. Already, even no matter what she looked like. And it was, that was a flaw on his part, right? Yeah, I know. Unbelievable, sort of, those two are so compelling. I know, this relationship is so great to watch. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right. So then uh, Paul McCrane and Gina Gershon go out and have a uh, a nice dinner. And this is where we get the Stalkers song. Yeah. Oh, 
And as you say, like the stalker's song is so great. Yeah, and it's so sad. It's so sad and so great. And he breaks into her house. But of course, Paul McCrane is waiting for her because he knew the guy hadn't been backed off and he knew the importance. This is her birthday dinner, so he knows how important the birthday is to the guy. Yeah. So he assumes, and he's completely right. And he waits and he ambushes the guy. Yeah. And the guy freezes. Then he sees Gina Gershon in the staircase and he holds up the roses to her and she shoots him dead. Yeah. Oh! And gets away with it. And gets away with it. And uh, Paul McCrane essentially accuses her of luring him over in the hopes of getting him, right, uh, flirting with him in the hopes of getting him to shoot the guy. And when he failed to do it, she just took it into her own hands. And honestly, that might be true, but I'm on team Gina Gershon did nothing wrong here. Well, I'm on Tina Gershon simply because, yes, I mean, it's this, it's this, it's a very problematic, but she's right. He said, but she's, but I've arrested him. He was under arrest. And she said, yeah. For trespassing? For trespassing. He'll be out in two two years at the most. Yeah. And then he's going to come back even more obsessed and even more pissed. Yeah. So I'm sorry. You know, I, I didn't. Like you understand why he feels betrayed and used. Yes. But you don't really feel like she was wrong. Well, I, you know, I mean, there are a few times where I go, it's justified. Like the system. I can't think of a system that handles stalking well. Effectively. No. Whether it's, I mean, it's mostly men who stalk women. Yes, again, yep. same story. There are women who stalk men. Yep. And that's almost impossible as well. I mean, we've, we've seen that in what was the, what was the um, movie with Michael Douglas and. Uh, um, oh, um, uh, Fatal Attraction. Glenn, Glenn Close. It's yeah. Fatal Attraction. Yeah, fatal attraction, right? Yeah, like this un this unbalanced woman who's stalking him. Yeah, and and the stalking is well, you know, you know, well, it should be it should be one of those lessons learned, you know, like you know, you shouldn't sleep with somebody when you're already married. Yeah, it causes problems. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, Paul McCrane gets a good song. Yeah. About his uh, falling for a femme fatale. Yeah, and, uh, and then the uh, assistant has gotten herself arrested again. Again. And she deals out... Um, oh, I was wrong about something, which I'll admit in a second. Uh, uh, but anyway, she uh, she flips on her boss and they go and they arrest him because, you know, the cops would rather have the guy, you know, who's sending her out for cocaine rather than the person who's making the buy. Yeah. And so the city councilor gets uh, arrested for having a bunch of cocaine on him. Yep. In uh, which is nice. She set him up. Yep, she set him up. It's nice. She gets a walk. He goes to jail. Uh, well, jail. Come on. <laughs> He's still got juice. But the important part is this sends the chief and the deputy chief into the captain's office to yell at him for screwing up their deal to get the LAPD a bunch of tanks. Yeah. <laughs> and they're pissed about that. And he stands by his statement. It's like he uh, saying that he's fine with a deal, but it's like there has to be a point at which we stop looking the other way. Yeah. And I mean, the first deal was was one thing. OK, it was a first time offense and the rest of it. And you can say, OK, we can kind of clean that up and, and not and wipe the record clean so that it, the arrest doesn't happen. But 
when she, I mean, and it wasn't even like it was a month later. It was the next day. Yeah. It was, she just went right back. And as they say, they're shocked and annoyed that she went right back to the same place to score drugs. Yeah. She like, didn't even like go to a different place. She went to the same corner to get her cocaine. Didn't she know that the cops would, I mean. Would still be there? No. Well, no, but she thinks she's immune. Because yeah. she's just been sprung by her boss's power. Yeah. And she's then, also a cokehead. Yes. And she then finds out that she's not. No, it's it's good. It is a very good uh, scene. And then uh, this is the part I had uh, mistaken. This is where LaRusso has the conversation with the uh, with his lawyer about feeling used and feeling, you know, like he is being like he is just a thing to her. Right, because she collects things and now she's got a cop. And she doesn't deny it at all. No, and she says no one and he makes the mistake of saying, No one's ever turned me around like you have. And yeah. oh. he like he's literally He's saying the things that are supposed to get women to want him, and all he's doing is revealing his vulnerabilities. Yeah. That well, it's and as she said, so you want me because you can't have me. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's realistic about him. Oh, yeah. She knows exactly who this guy is. He is not a mystery to her. No. And and the only... Her unavailability is what... He's just used to women women falling all over him. Oh, yeah. And you're right. Her... In a, uh, yes, her, her being unavailable to him is what keeps him obsessed. And yeah. that's... I mean, he admits that. Yeah, it's like, she's he's... just going to keep walking all over you, buddy. Yep, yep, yep. So walk out the door. <laughs> and I hope the sex is that good. <laughs> well, I mean, you're watching it. And the thing I love about it, right, is that this show really is interrogating all everything about the toxic masculinity of the hero cop. Yeah. That's what this whole character is meant exists to do, is to say, hey, like, it's 1991. And an entire, like, quarter of this show is, wow, Dirty Harry is pretty problematic if you think about it, huh? Huh. And it's 1991! This show is so far ahead of the track. Well, I mean, well, I always... Never mind. I mean, we knew that, but we knew that and we remembered that, but, like, actually sitting down and watching, you're like, yeah. this, sh this show is so good. Well, there are shows that, like, that's that's what drives me crazy. So, I mean, that's what drives me crazy is that you cannot, you look at these things and these shows, people bring them up. Yeah. People bring these issues up and nobody wants, but there's 90% there's of the shows that don't. Yeah. And that's the issue. And that's the issue. And, and that there's no change. These are just the exceptions that ultimately prove the rule because they are so exceptional. Yeah, right? they really are. You know, if for the most part. Um, well, I mean, but, there, it's safe to say that there's nothing like cop rock out there. No. And there what just I, isn't. I swear to God. I swear to God. Please. The, the, the network guys. May have just fast-forwarded through the songs. Yes, fast-forwarded through the songs. Because if they were fast-forwarded through the songs, it would explain a lot about what this show was able to get away with. Yeah, because it gets away with a lot, and a lot of it is in the music because it's in the music 
that people's feelings about what's happening to them come out. Yep. You know, and it's and it's and the innocuous one, like like the poor guy who's on his bicycle right. <laughs> oh God, I, I know. Trying to do his exercise and why is what you think life's worth living? Can't he? Yeah, it's like can't he just enjoy life? Yeah. Well, no, your body isn't going to let you. So. If you're if you're committed to having a heart attack yeah. and dying young, feel free. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the oh. free people pay. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> and then the show ends with the saddest song, oh. which is Kathleen Wilhoit's uh, lullaby to her baby while she's in rehab. And that, as I said, and that song scares me. It's almost as if I don't remember anything about the rest of the show. It's like, it is almost sometimes, like, there are parts that I remember specifically. Yeah. And then, um, but I'm going, you know, because, well, I just knew too many addicts. I, yeah. I mean, and the funny thing is, is that I had I had one um, uh, that mutual thing. I mean, at least this girl is not addicted to some man. Yeah. In this case, I was dealing with not only, you know, she was young, not only mm -hmm. was she sort of had an addict, but she had this boyfriend who was a raging addict who had Oof. HIV, got her pregnant. Oh my God. When he had HIV, I'd probably, you know, so that means that if, if, she got HIV at the same time. God only knows if he raped her. But of course, she had been sexually abused by her father anyway. Her stepfather, father, I don't know. Not important. That's why she had been in care. And she couldn't. She said every now and then to me, you know, like because I was this and I would call children's aid. And it took us all night, all night to to for her to finally see that if she stuck with her man, she would lose her baby. Yeah. And that's what this is. Well, no, you watch this scene and it's like, it's it's her lullaby because, and this is the, the key part. She was told earlier, right? Everybody's been saying to her and everyone's saying to each other that if you think you're going to, uh, you know, get clean for your baby, you're not going to get clean. That's right. And then we get this beautiful lullaby that is about how she's going to be better for her babe. And you're like, oh, this is going to lead to a disaster. And 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 it's only like you see, for for people who haven't had the, I would say, the personal experiences that I've had in my work life. Yeah. You don't see this as being so full of red flags as it is, except. Yeah. Uh, but the show doesn't let you assume this is a nice thing because we've. Oh heard everybody warning her about the exact thing she's talking about. Yes. And that's And it. I don't know if we're going to see Kathleen Wilhoyt again in the next 6 episodes. No, I don't or... remember how this I know, neither happened. do I, and I didn't look it up. But even nope. if we don't, given how the show set this up, you can bet that later this season we would have seen her. Yes. This story is not over. No, because it has to be the cop has to learn too. Yeah, that because she has all like she's already beginning to get a little bit of understanding, you yeah. know. But this is it's it's this 
sort of problem. And yes, what these people who bought this baby, yeah, because they got charged with slavery as well. Yeah, that's what they did. They, they charged you with the slavery. Um, well, that was the only act you could, right? Bell yeah, it's the only thing that covers selling people. Yeah, and yeah. yes, buying a baby is selling a person, so it's slavery. Yeah, and um, you know, not that these parents, but it, as I said, you're in this massive dilemma. It reminds me of doubt, right? And the yep. and the dilemma that the mother was in. Oh my um, God. These are terrible dilemmas because you're sort of supposed to feel sorry for the mother, like mm -hmm. the, the Kathleen. Kathleen Wilhoyt. Wilhoyt's character, sort of. Oh, yeah. But she sold her baby. I know. And it's like the show does not undercut the child protected services woman who is so bound and determined to get this baby away from her. It doesn't undercut her at all or suggest oh. she's a bad person or her motives are wrong. And it isn't completely in favor of her and her point of view. But you also see where, you know, the heart of this cop is just so ready to hear her say, I'm going to do better. You know, I'm going to yeah. do better. But it always comes with the caveat, I'm going to do better for my baby. And that's what ensures that she won't. Because, yes, because she might be fine for the next two or three or four years. But she's going to hit a hurdle. She's going to hit a hurdle. The baby is not, the, something's going to go There's going to be a problem. What happens if you're doing all this for baby? But what happens when the baby becomes the source of your stress? And the baby will become the source eventually when... She's a single mother with, you know, just off the streets and being a drug addict. That baby is yeah, going to be a problem for her. And she's only going to be six months in rehab exactly and now now maybe this particular rehab maybe they will talk her into maybe she will go back to school but i'm not sure like this is the 1990s and the programs were not massively evolved yeah at that point and this is remember a in some ways she's saying yes but what you know and they deal with domestic abuse well domestic abuse in and out Mm -hmm. You know, this girl is going to need tracking and care and uh, visits constantly from the social services. Is And then you ask yourself, is this a way to raise a baby? Well, maybe if it's okay, because I've seen lots, you know, that they do somehow or another. Um, if if they're lucky, they've got a parent. Yeah. Like, like, like either parents or grandparents or other parents who will take care of the child while they go into rehab. But it's perfectly clear that this woman doesn't have any of that. She doesn't have anything or anyone. Yeah. And um, that's how we know this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> you can't get over that. Right. right? And again, just, like I said, maybe we're going to see more from this, this uh, in these next six episodes. But it's possible they were saving that for later in the season. I don't know. I haven't looked ahead and I haven't checked the IMDb to see how many episodes Kathleen Wilhoyt is in. But no, I'm not looking at it either. I want to see this because it's almost as if I'm seeing it cold. I know. Almost. And like, as I Again, said. Again, like I, we get these songs that I remember, right? I remembered about oh, the plastic that, surgery. No. We get these is songs that, I remember, but the plot details for a ton of this, I don't remember. All the little intricacies in the plot details. Yeah. And that's because we've only seen it once. Yeah.
And it's a long time ago. And it was so stunning. And we didn't even think about seeing that we would end up seeing it again. No. Like this world, understand this world of internet and streaming and everything else. For those of you who are, have been born. In the new, like anywhere. Born in the 90s. Basically, if you were born in the 90s or after, you don't know a world that didn't have, you know, kind of to a certain extent, everything accessible online. Yeah. When we finished watching Cop Rock, we had no expectation we'd ever be able to watch Cop Rock again. Yeah. And, you know, so it was just, yeah, you, you remember that some of the songs really stick in your head. Yep. <laughs> and some of the plot lines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and probably there were loose ends. Oh, I'm sure. Like I said, I'm worried that the Kathleen Wilhoyt is going to be one of them, but we'll see. One of those loose ends. And remember, she wasn't even in the last episode or two. Exactly. Like, you know, so the last two episodes, she only it's, showed it's up. It's not like she is a member of the cast. No, she's no. She, she's just a recurring out. character with this heartbreaking storyline, anchoring this heartbreaking storyline. Yeah, and you can only hope that, you know, she takes the baby back to these parents or gives it up. <laughs> Something. To those parents, you know, yeah. when she realizes, like, this is this, this is the best case scenario, is that after her six months, she gets... She has, she ends up finding out that it's too stressful and she's going to do the cocaine and stuff. And she goes to yeah. social services and says, I'll give up my baby if you promise me that those people who had my baby when she was a baby. We'll get them back. Yeah. We'll, we'll get her back and they, they won't be charged with slavery and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, we, we'll see where it goes. I'll be very interested to find out where it goes. Here's to me the best case scenario. It is. Well, I was uh, just watching an episode of NYPD Blue where that happened. Well, except that there, uh, the woman was, you know, a ridiculous drug addict who finally got out of jail and wanted her baby back. But the friend she left her baby with, you know, had had not signed off for taking care of that baby for two years. So she yeah. ended up leaving with this woman who worked in the food, uh, the, the, you know, the soup kitchen that she went to. And now this kid has lived there almost three years and only knows of that as her family because she was two years old when she was dropped off. Yeah. And so, you know, the cops end up just telling this drug addict that her baby has died and leaving her with the family that has her. Yeah. And I'm like, and then I'm watching this episode. I'm like, oh, that's basically the same plot. <laughs> Yeah, so what they did was take the plot and make, and that's the finishing of... That's the finishing you know, of the Kathleen Wilhoyt story. Yeah, the Wilhoyt story. It really because, feels that way when I'm watching it. Because this is the same problem, those of you who have watched Gone Baby Gone, the yeah. movie. It's the right? exact problem that they struggled it's with. The same problem. Yeah. You know, you know, giving this baby back and arresting all of these people. Morgan Freeman should never have been arrested. <laughs> Well, no, but it's like he does the wrong thing at the end of Gone Baby Gone. You understand why he does the wrong thing. Yeah. But he does the wrong thing. You know, like Titus Welliver, just let Titus Welliver take the hit for all of this. He's yeah. happy to do it. He saved that baby. And if he's got to get shot to make it go away, let him get shot to make it all go away. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a good oh, book and it's a good movie. Well, we 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 did it on. We covered our, it, yeah. We covered it on our criminal minds. Yeah, I so. know. But I'm just mentioning it yeah. again. It's a really good movie. Really? really good movie about a guy who does some uh, makes some bad mistakes. Yeah. Really makes some bad mistakes. 
Okay, so uh, that's going to be that for this week. Next time, we're going to be back with episodes uh, six through eight of Cop Rock. Yep. And then the week after that, no more Cop Rock, tragically. Like, it's the last episode. Oh, wait a sec. The week after that is the last episodes. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, the last three episodes goes to 11. Yeah, you're right. It only goes to 11, which is, in a way, very appropriate for a music-themed show. Uh, a little spinal tap reference there. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> as always, I want to thank you for listening and say if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, if there's any profiling related fiction you think we should check out, drop us at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you listen to this on an app or a podcast, please be sure to rate and review. That's how people find the show. We're going to be back here next week with more Cop Rock. Uh, very excited about it. And again, it's all on YouTube. You can just watch it. Yeah, if you're not watching it, if you're still on the fence and don't understand why we love this show so much, do yourself a favor and go watch Cop Rock. Yeah. I know it's crazy, but it's really that good. You just find the one that says Cop Rock and it has playlist on it. Yeah, it'll have a playlist and then it'll just have all 11 episodes. So we'll see In you back here for that part. next time. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week.